What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Skate Church Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Baker, and today we're going to be talking about the birth and life of Jesus Christ. But before we get into that, I just want to share our weekly update on how Derek is doing. One of our guys actually got to go in and see Derek personally, which is really amazing. It had just been a few days since uh, his most recent surgery, and uh, today, actually, they got to go in and take out all of the staples and take the wiring out of his jaw, which is a huge blessing because he doesn't have all of those things creating any more additional uncomfort to um, to everything else that he is feeling on top of that. So that's huge. When Carson got to go see him, actually, he got to uh, bring him in a video of all of us saying, saying hi to Derek and such. And Derek's eyes were able to um, stay focused on it. We're not sure, though, how much he was able to take in from it, but the fact that his eyes were open and were following the movements of the video was really encouraging to see, but it's still a long road to recovery, so keep on praying for him and his family. Uh, we're just so grateful that we actually got to see him, so um, praise God for that. So we've been talking about Jesus, who he is, was what we covered last week, and this week we want to go over the topic of, of his radical birth to the insane life that he lived. To get into that, uh, first I wanted to share with you guys uh, some stories about skateboarding, how the act of it itself is something that a lot of people enjoy because there's not necessarily a full competitive nature in which you're competing with those who are around you. More often, we like to see it as a way that we're competing with ourselves. However, even though we like to say that, it's not the most true. There's always some level of competition whenever we get into things because, well, we're humans. We have this competitive nature, or better yet, we have a nature that is filled with pride. Anytime we see someone roll into the park, and they bust out a trick that we like to do. If you're known as the heel flip guy at the park and someone rolls in that you've never met before, heel flips down the stairs at first try and it's way better than yours, immediate defenses go up and you're on edge. You like you wanna clap and be like stoked, give the you for the guy who just landed it and rolled away perfectly, but at the same time, there's this like feeling inside where you look around to see how everyone else took it in or and of course there's always one of your buddies that will come and be like dang he showed you up something like that happens and it just irks you that someone brings it up and makes that reality true that someone here is better than you and as much as i hate to say it i've of course run into that many times uh, skateboarding over the however many years i've been skating um but i don't have like a specific person that i would always see and be super conflicted with in, in their skill level, for me, my my main issue with pride came about through social media. Seeing all of the different posts of how good people were, that wasn't necessarily the issue. Like once I joined Instagram and being able to see clips every single day of tricks that I'm so confused because I was like, I would use that in my video part. Um, it was more so whenever I started seeing people do body varials super frequently. When I grew up skating, body varials were not cool. I grew up skating with a few guys. Um, Ducky Kovacs actually was someone who I got to skate with every once in a while. We grew up in the same town. Alex Ulrichson, Matt Beaton. These guys were all like super, super good, like ahead of our age group. Like these were the guys that whenever a contest would happen, they would always skate in the 18 and open, even though we were all under 18. And they would usually place top five, like almost every single time. Whenever I'd go street skating with them, I would always be so nervous because I'm like, I don't know how to keep up with these guys. I don't have the same tricks that they're going to be doing. I don't know how to do a big spin or a kickflip onto a rail like they're doing. Like, what do I have to contribute? So I'd always have to figure out like some weird, unique, I guess, trick to do. And I became eventually known by the local skate community for doing body varials, like nonstop, ollie sex change, kickflip sex change, whatever it was. Like I was usually doing that so that I had something 
to stay, I don't even want to say on par with them, but so I could still have something that was film worthy that wasn't an ABD at the spot. If it was already been done, like why even go? I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of these guys. But then I would get a lot of uh, clapback from some of the guys whenever I would do those tricks because it was always like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. It's, it's like anytime a pressure flip is brought up, you'll usually hear a groan from somebody as soon as one is seen. Like, it's a trick that people dog on. Varial flips, another trick that is dogged on. Body varial sadly was one of those, and I would hear it constantly. And it would always make me feel a little bit ashamed after a while, and I was like, dang it, why did I choose this to be like something that I'm focusing on and getting good at when people aren't really liking it? Well, fast forward a couple years, and I'm finally on Instagram, and now I'm noticing people are doing it left and right, and it's like they're trying to see who can do it the latest or who could do it the earliest, highest, whatever. They're everywhere now, and I'm like, man, what? I got no credit for the body burials that I did. I never stood out because of it, and look at these guys. Like, that's the trend now, and so immediately I would start to be filled with fury every time I saw a body burial come up. But I started to do it less and less, which kind of sucked because I actually really did like doing that trick. I got to the point where that was one of the tricks that it would take three tries or less whenever I'd go to a spot. So it was always about finding a bigger, better spot or if I could make it more technical, doing it into a grind or something like that. And then I just kind of stopped doing it. Kind of saddening that this all came from just being challenged or feeling threatened by the community that was around me. So I have to understand, like, it's common to feel challenged when we are faced with anything that poses some sort of threat, but the response is what truly sets us apart. Similarly, there is this guy, Herod, very important to Jesus' story. So I'll uh, give you a little background to him uh, as we better understand the birth and life of Jesus. So Herod was this governor who was considered the king of the Jews. He was willing to showcase his power at every turn, and he would do anything to maintain this power. So one day, well-off travelers, aka the wise men, possibly three, possibly more, we don't actually know, but that's besides the point, they stopped at his place for directions to find the one to be born king of the Jews. So Herod, hearing that, was completely thrown off because he didn't know who they were talking about. He wasn't having a kid anytime soon, and he had the self-claimed title as king of the Jews. And just like our jealousy went up at the side of the skater who's better than us, who has tricks that we want to have or tricks that we do have, just does it cleaner, defenses immediately go up. So Herod, then after hearing this, sought his chief priests to see if they knew anything about this. They told him that there were prophecies that a ruler known as the Messiah would come out of Bethlehem. So Herod took this information to the travelers, trying to appear helpful, said to them, which is um, in Matthew 2, 8, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I, too, may go and worship him. Of course, that sounds very helpful, very nice, quite generous of him, and like a upstanding guy. Not exactly the case, because what they didn't know was that he actually planned to murder this child. Thankfully, God came to these travelers in a dream, telling them not to go back. Herod became furious at the realization that they weren't going to be coming back. So he gave orders to all of his military to kill every single child that was two years old or younger that lived within the vicinity of Bethlehem. So who was this child rumored to become king that the current king would be willing to ruthlessly murder every young boy just to keep his title? Jesus. Jesus was that baby, of course, who was on death's row for being prophesied as king of the Jews. We know what Herod did with this title, but... What did Jesus do? 
I'd say it's hard to tell you everything that he did because there's absolutely so much. So this is the little wink, wink, nudge, nudge, read your Bible because it is filled with more than a lifetime worth of miracles that he spent with people, with humanity, showing them what God's love looks like in person. But one important thing that I do want to share with his God-given power was that he lived in utter humility. The fact that he was born not as a king should be in a palace like Herod had. He was born in a barn. That in itself, that start to his life shows the pure humility and humbleness of God in this sense. It completely went over the heads of most people's ideas or what they assumed the prophecies would read as. They expected him to come out as a king like a king, already having authority over everyone, but instead he came into this earth as a man. He was not born of necessarily a noble birth. Maybe it's going to be like a King Arthur story and he's going to achieve kingdom in some sweet, noble way. Well, no, with his God-given power, living in utter humility, Jesus just became a simple rabbi, became very aware of all of the scripture and godly text that that was before. Jesus found 12 guys to teach them everything he knew and showed love to each and every one of them. He brought them alongside him as he spoke the truth of God and performed unbelievable acts of healing the sick, miraculously feeding the hungry, driving out demons, and being a light to those who were in just sorrow-filled darkness. Jesus taught these 12 individuals how to be that beacon of light to the world that was around them. He even sent these 12 to do the same thing that he did. He put all of his time, effort, and love into these guys, even though he knew that one of them was going to be the reason he died. His disciple Judas Iscariot learned under Jesus, ate with Jesus, performed miracles because of Jesus, then betrayed Jesus. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. This was in Matthew 26, 49 through 50, right as Jesus was handed over and betrayed. Herod could not live with the fact that someone else would have his own title, believing that they would replace and possibly kill him. So he did everything in his power to kill them first, just so he could keep this title. When Jesus met the person he knew would kill him, he said, follow me so that the Father may speak through you. Jesus led him down a path to truth. And when Judas betrayed him, Jesus still accepted his kiss. That's about all I have for you guys today. Thank you for listening. If you want to continue the conversation, please reach out through our website, skatechurchmovement.com, or even through our social media. Yeah, we have an Instagram page for the Skate Church Movement. But anyways, that's all I have for you guys. Until next time, keep pushing forward.